Hey there, welcome back to another episode of MVP Business, where we showcase leaders who live through their mission, vision, and passion to drive growth, profits, and loyalty. I'm your host, Steph Silver, owner of Vine Collective, a unique marketing and coaching agency where we meet people where they are on their journey to connect with customers and employees and to navigate their personal journeys to overcome challenges and rise to the next level of their work home, and spiritual lives. Today's guest is Aziz Azarifi, a global leader in the food industry. He's known for building and scaling profitable businesses. Aziz is passionate about startups in the natural food arena and is the co-founder and developer of MedBar, a Mediterranean nutrition bar. Aziz, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Steph. Great to be with you today on such a beautiful day. We're going to start off with learning a little bit about you, Aziz, before we get into your business background. Let's talk about, um, so you were born in Morocco. How did your childhood shape you as a man today? I think uh, when you go through childhood, you're just accumulating experiences and learnings and you don't value these until maybe later on in life. So as I reflect back on that, if there is something I can maybe pick or one or two things I could pick from that childhood is the fact that you look around and you have role models. You didn't call them role models then, you didn't know they were role models for you, but they were maybe shaping your way of how you go about things in life. And uh, in my case, my dad had a big influence. And if I have to pick one thing about him from that, he's the guy who has been working seven days a week, all his adult life. Hmm. And that shaped me a number of things in terms of work ethic in terms of what you if you want to do something what you need to sacrifice because those seven days I know that they were filled with sacrifices with regards to his family the time that he would have spent but he was on a mission and that mission maybe forced him to make that sacrifice so this is uh, one uh, I could uh, also uh, I could reflect uh, about and we can maybe talk about it in a in more details. Uh, the second one is the family. Uh, I was privileged to be part of an, uh, an extended family. So I'm talking here the uncles, the aunts and so on. And I take that for granted or rather I took that for granted mm-hmm. at that time only to discover at this uh, stage of my life that that's probably one of the essences of life. That's uh, the family love and the care that extended members of the family provide each other, making you feel that you're not alone. You're not alone when facing challenges, when yet you're not alone when you're celebrating, so on. Mm-hmm. So these are the two things that come to my mind at the moment. That's wonderful. How does that um, work ethic and family play now, or how how did it? Um, how do you think that it weaved its way into your? Um, your life one point i could maybe think of is the fact that um, to achieve something you have to sacrifice something and if i put the sacrifices i had to make in perspective versus what for instance my dad had to make they don't weigh much and that helps me maybe bring make things uh, more relative in a way or be a relative about the sacrifices the sacrifices I had to make personally is when my kids were young I had to extensively travel so I was not part of their I was not 100% part of their childhood my wife did carry the the weight because I had to travel and all over uh, Mediterranean and Middle East and Africa and uh, and so on and that when you do that, when you're on that mission, you have again to make a sacrifice. If I compare it with my dad, who was in the same time as we were, and we would not see him because we would go to bed early and he'd come late and so on, I would say, yeah, I did make a sacrifice, but compared to what he did, it's relatively less. Like his his type of work, or yeah, he was uh, he was a trader in merchants, mm-hmm. and uh, for him, business never stopped because. Uh, even after it stopped, he had to socialize, he had to meet, he had to to work the relationships part. And uh, as such, he couldn't, he, he didn't own 
in a way his or rather he didn't have ownership of his own uh, calendar or agenda mm-hmm. for that matter it was forced on him by the customers the clients and so on uh, the reality is probably none of us does mm-hmm. we think we do but so that's uh, just to reflect on the, the point that you said on uh, as I compare what I had to sacrifice versus that I would say it, it doesn't weigh in that balance. Mm-hmm. How did that um, that travel in your early career, um, has that lent itself into your work now? Okay, so let me share with you this anecdote. <laughs> and uh, I have two boys, they're now in college. So when uh, the elder of the two was four years old, kindergarten, uh, his teacher asked him to draw the family picture. Mm-hmm. Four, yeah, it was four. I was not on that picture. Right. Uh, it was a wake-up call for me. And thinking of it, would I go back in time to fix that? Definitely not. And the question is, what did I do after this mm-hmm. happened? That made me more aware about the time and the value of time. And whatever time passes by, you can't unwind it. And therefore, do the most or impact the most the time that you have now. And don't even pu- push things for tomorrow because you don't know what that tomorrow's agenda will look like. Uh, and as for the past, don't don't overthink about it because it has uh, learned from it eventually but and just move on so that's uh, I want to mention this uh, particular anecdote because in my case as I look now the learning from it is I will value my time as it's my last time on on this earth mm-hmm. and uh, and I will work with that so uh, we try to think that maybe sometimes uh, we put value on material things, we put value on assets, we put value on, uh, on a number of, um, uh, ma- yeah, material things that uh, one puts, could put a price tag or put a certain value on it. The reality, the most valuable thing is our time. Uh, because it's our time that allows us to create value. It's our time that allows us to uh, decide how to invest that value being being our time and being aware of that which for me was a journey made me now very clear about what I want to do and how I want to do it and when do I want to do it so that's for me the learning of the past 25 plus years of uh, say corporate uh, life and uh, corporate sacrifice which that again, I repeat, does not weigh much in against the sacrifices that others have made, I'm sure. I have um, been putting a lot of time and thought into those values as well. Uh, in, in the early days and years of having children, I feel like there's so much to be done. And, you know, men feel like they want to provide and women want to, you know, be there and then there's this survival aspect for everybody not just keeping the the child alive but trying to keep yourself in some form of above survival <laughs> yeah. mode and then you get to a point where the the children are a little bit more able to to communicate and take care of themselves and you start thinking a little bit more and hopefully you do find that um that reflection provides you with some ideas of what you value and and putting more time and effort and if you have funds funds into those things that you value and that you're passionate about so now since you are in that mindset now and your your children are a little bit older um or even you know thinking back to when they were you know beyond four after yeah. you had that family picture what did you decide or or what came to light that you were passionate about and that you valued that you wanted to um, consciously invest in? Oh, uh, 
clearly it's impacting humans as having an impact on humans in any shape, form, way that could be. And uh, when I say humans, it's a big H, capital H for, mm -hmm. for that, as in whether it's in, uh, the, the family or extended network of individuals or people that I do interact with. Uh, and this maybe has evolved over time because it's honestly started with the family and maybe call it selfishness at that time. You talked earlier about protection, the, the, you have to provide, you have that, the struggle type mm -hmm. of uh, approach to things. And it's okay, we all have it during a, a period of our lives because we have to be independent, we have to provide and so on. But that has evolved over time as I started noticing that as we move and we deal with people for all kinds of things, what remains from that not was not the deal that you have done or the sale that you have achieved or uh, the launch that you have made, but those relationships that you have built that outlast that because any sale, any amount has is limited in that time when it's happened. But the relationship outlasts that and the relationship, we can call it love, we can call it care, we can call it uh, connection, any form. It, we can't describe it, it's not tangible, but it's something that outlasts, that travels, almost that travels throughout time. And if you think of it, this is what you're carrying from, I don't know whether you've had the chance of seeing your grandparents alive when you were born and or any or the teacher who taught you when you were a child and you don't see but the care that that the feeling that you have for these it's quite unique it's it's on the, the bright side of mm -hmm. your heart in, in a way and in and it's alive and it's still there mm -hmm. so bringing it to the corporate life in in this case i've interacted with many people throughout my career and what i've noticed early on is what stays are those relationships, the impact that you had, either you showed someone the right way of doing it or you gave an advice to someone or you sought an advice from someone mm -hmm. and they appreciate the giving it. So that was the true investment that I would say I learned that that's probably the best investment that I have done in career-wise. I would agree with that. One thing that I'm learning is that... Uh, I've consistently showed up with a smile and uh, it's been, you know, it, that has been profitable for me. I've always thought of myself as someone who doesn't have an actual talent. I just find other people that have talents and, and help them, you know, either foster them, grow them or connect them. And, uh, and knowing that, you know, looking back at those relationships. And now when I started my career, I didn't know anything about marketing and I didn't know anyone in the business and I didn't know anyone in business in Austin. But I started with just knowing that I was good at building relationships. And that has been the, the key and the foundation to all of my success. I think it's quite uh, inspiring that you say that and you're also aware about that. Many times we tend to credit ourselves for the successes we've achieved and think it. And then sometimes and many times blame the others for the failures. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's never that binary. No. Uh, I think what you're just describing right now is when you say you come with a smile, the way I read it is that this is someone coming with open arms type, mm. saying that, tell me more, or I want to know more, or help me. And that's, as a recipient of that uh, smile, I would say, oh, this is someone I could trust. And then we're going back to the basics of trust mm -hmm. and uh, the need to build trust before a, re a relationship becomes a, a rewarding one. You mentioned uh, Austin there, and there is something here that uh, I personally really appreciate about this uh, city. And it's uh, the spirit, in th this spirit that you just described exists within the city, whether it's in the corporate world, whether it's in the arts world, or even the social world. And I 
probably think that it dates back maybe to the roots of the city itself, mm -hmm. how it came to be and uh, uh, to come together. And I'm, I didn't have a chance to study maybe the history of Austin and I should do just to understand where does this thing come from. It was founded by, by musicians and artists. Well, now you've, uh, now you've explained it. And mm -hmm. in the art world, this system of support, this system of uh, showing the other and is authentically innate. It's a part of the DNA of the art world, despite what maybe, uh, let's say, the celebrity media tries to portray that uh, competition. But in true, the, the true essence of an artist is someone who has a talent who wants to share it with the rest of the world. It's not someone who, wants, who has a talent and wants to sell it to the mm -hmm. rest of the world. Usually mm -hmm. that aspect comes with the success. and They usually have a hard time selling it. That, that too. And, and they still keep at it. Mm -hmm. And they support each other. And I think that this spirit of support and this spirit of giving and this spirit of uh, collective, collective spirit, if I uh, can qualify it this way, is what makes maybe Austin quite unique, even in the corporate world. I had the chance of meeting a number of entrepreneurs from uh, Austin, and I find the same mindset there as well, where they share their tips, they share their experience, their learning, their lessons, and they're humble about it. Mm -hmm. And they're not crediting themselves with all the success. It's uh, it's an ecosystem type of success. Mm -hmm. And that's why you, are, you want to be part of an ecosystem in any industry or any field, because in the ecosystem, you're able to benefit from collective learning of that ecosystem and apply it as well. You mentioned entrepreneurialism. You are now the co-founder of MedBar, have been for a couple of years. Where did this entrepreneurial spirit come from and when did it start? Okay. Uh, despite having worked in the corporate world for more than 20, 21, 22 years, I was known in, and I was in some of the largest food companies in the world. Internally, I was referred to as the entrepreneurial spirit, not because there is a tag that mm. says this one is entrepreneur. It's just of my way of approaching things and my way of asking sometimes questions, stupid questions eventually, that, mm. uh, and trying to think out of the box type. Mm. The box here being, uh, the, say, the the corporate approach to things. Each company has its ways of operating, of thinking, of processing things and so on. And if you try to think outside that, sometimes you're tagged as uh, an outsider. Well, I had the privilege of uh, one, doing that, but two, being successful at what I would do. And success here being simply defined by delivering on the numbers mm -hmm. that uh, I was committing for. So that gave me maybe the the freedom, maybe the, the chance or the free the privilege or the freedom to to ask that so this used to be um, to resonate in the back of my mind entrepreneur entrepreneur separate from that my dad never wanted me to be in, in the corporate world he always saw me as someone who should be independent whatever mm -hmm. that's that term independent means so there was a specific uh incidents uh, that happened and it had to do with uh, the launch of uh, a brand or a product uh, I recommended to do it, doing it a certain way the the HQ or the headquarter uh, recommended to do it in a different way I didn't agree and I still pursued it but then I saw a competitor come into the markets with uh, exactly what I've suggested and that competitor today is a global brand. It's a very successful brand in what they do. And uh, and that's triggered that whole, if you really believed in it, why didn't you pursue it back then? Mm -hmm. If you really believed it. So that was the inception of the idea of, well, if uh, if you think you can do it, if, you're, if you think uh, you're better than that, prove yourself that you are. And this is not about proving the others or anything of that sort, it's just to, to myself. So I think that was the moment or the inception of the idea of uh, uh, going into entrepreneurship. It is not common that after 22 years of corporate life, you jump into uh, to the entrepreneurship because of... Maybe the comfort that you get mm -hmm. uh, used to and, and other aspects of, of life. 
So this, uh, I think this is the, the, the key moment in my career that's, that triggered that thinking. Then coming to MedBar, specifically MedBar, uh, MedBar for me is, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a mission to bridge two cultures or it's a mission to bridge an East culture, to find a gateway or a bridge for an East culture to the US market per se. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, another anecdote, because of my uh, experience, I had the chance of hosting many of my American friends, colleague, former colleagues, friends, we became uh, friends over, uh, all over from Greece down to Dubai in the UAE and so on. And I like to entertain guests by taking them to try some things that are authentic. And every time I would take them to authentic places, the reaction is, wow, great taste, great flavor, great this. I wish we could have access to these. So in my mind, it was okay. It's not that it doesn't take that much. It just, how do you find a way to transport because anyway the world today is global you can source anything from anywhere if, if you want it, it, these potential consumers or uh, in this case might just need a mean by which they can reach these uh, flavors or these uh, tastes and that's what triggered okay so how can we do it and medbar was is just a vehicle for that so medbar in a way wants to be an ambassador mm -hmm. of all the variety of uh, food cultures because food and culture go hand in hand all across Mediterranean. So that's what Medbar aspires to be for a consumer who's willing to experiment with something that's different, experiment with something that's nutritious, stays true to, to its essence. And the essence about Mediterranean nutrition is about good, balanced, good for you and good for your body and good also for your immunity and, and so on. So that's what... Medbar aspires to be as a mission for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love that Medbar is, um, continues to stay true. You've had, um, an interesting, and we've all had an interesting last couple of years and challenges uh, in um, continuing and trying to shift and pivot our, our brands and our business. Uh, what was, We'll let's step a little bit back and say, what was it like to uh, formulate these really wonderful and interesting and unique flavors? And then what was it like to launch the product? Okay, so we have an interesting uh, experience here. Uh, so the, the product was developed in 18 with a planned launch for 19. As a matter of fact, we launched in uh, the fourth quarter of 2019. And then everything went uh, dark. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and it's on one hand, it was a great test for our faith in what we do. Mm -hmm. And putting things again relative to what other I people had to do that helped me a bit s survive because I call Medbar uh, a COVID survivor because we had almost a year and a half of uh, close to no activity, no, mm -hmm. when all the, the costs of running business were there, the fixed ones, but also even some of the variables one, despite the fact that you want to, to minimize, minimize these. So on one hand, it was a test of how much we believe in what we want to do. It was also a test in uh, our empathy. We could have been very selfish and say, okay, we move on. But the empathy is not only to the, to the idea that we had or the mission that we had or the dream, if even if I can call it so, that we had, but also the empathy of what's going on around us. Mm -hmm. Uh, these past two years had big impacts on all people whether they have been directly impacted through 
losing their jobs or 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 indirectly impacted by having kids stuck at home and having to live with that and adjust to that so in the scale of these things i was wondering we go in and promoting medbar where does it rank in that uh, priority list it's probably the bottom so let's think of it this way during this transition while the world while the people are coming back to some sort of normalcy in their in their life or lives this discussion we had it many times internally and allowed us on one hand to bear the burden of carrying uh, this load for a year and a half uh, without much business but also to be still or to validate that what we're doing was right mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's probably the best or the biggest te- test a launch or brand that an emerging brand can undergo is when uh, when you you lose any uh, any frame of reference any reference to whatever market to demand and but you still stay true to it mm-hmm. uh, call it faith in what you do call it uh, commitment to what you do call it uh, uh, belief or uh, in in what you do and passion it's one of the things that uh that is the common thread for all of my guests here is that despite um, everyone has challenges all the time and of course covid is a um a unique combined collective experience of challenges and and we're at least aware of everyone else's um, perceived challenges, but um, when you go through something like that uh, together, you're able to. It's kind of like going through a challenge in a chi- in your childhood, and then knowing that you have that strength, as opposed to, like you said, quitting and giving up. But uh, it's that passion that keeps people moving forward in business and not giving up and throwing in the towel. Um, you know, continuing to, you know, just take one little tiny step forward was my mantra for the last two years. Like you don't have to, you know, be on the next rocket ship. (laughs) Maybe as long as you are taking one tiny little step forward. And like you said, building those relationships slowly and continuing to move forward. So now that you've launched and we're hopefully i don't know in the tail ends of what we've known as the covid struggle we all reached that point and we can see that uh, that point where we're ready to move on uh we are recording this show at the time when uh, austin is hosting the south by festival and if there is something we could see around us is that people are looking forward to that to those reconnections mm-hmm. with the uh with the rest so my question here to myself but also to everyone else what have we learned from the past two years if we end if we underwent if we quote unquote lost two years of our lives as compared to the the past and didn't learn much to make us better humans at whatever we do that's 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 when i would call these two years a loss if those two years were a sort of a pause, reflect, uh, process, uh, then decide or change, then I would say it's a great. Uh, it's probably a crisis that's that would have a lasting impact on each one of us individually, but also the society as a whole. Uh, and I'm trying to implement this mindset on anything that has been impacted by COVID. Okay, so this happened, you had no say or no hand in it. Now, what are you taking as lessons and learnings that you're carrying with you? And whether it's from a family, from a business community, from colleagues, I mean, I I know of some individuals who are not happy to be in the office because of the commute, who were, who didn't who disliked their colleagues to find out that after all, being in an office environment is a change from, say, 
uh, a home environment mm-hmm. and having this balance of home environments, office environments uh, is is a good balance. And it's not uh, black and white, it's shades in between. Mm-hmm. And even those that were looking forward to going back to, to an office setting, while others, maybe who were not clearly appreciative, found out that they were far more productive in a, in a home environment. Mm-hmm. So therefore, they found in a way a calling for them or an environment in which they're most productive and they're m- they can have the biggest impact. So these are just some examples that come to, to my mind at the moment. And I invite each one of us to reflect on COVID aside from the sacrifice. Sacrifice is something that we as a human race had to endure and will continue to endure this is how life improves mm-hmm. on on planet and others had them far bigger than us with the sacrifices we're making compared to maybe two or three generations before us mm-hmm. y- are minute mm-hmm. uh, we're recording that at time of uh, of horror happening in ukraine as you know And imagine if you're a Ukrainian today, everything that you know about life changed overnight and you might even end up being a refugee. So, And you went from directly from COVID into that in, in, and you have to pick up your family and leave your home and it may be destroyed and everything that you know is destroyed. Yeah. And you may not have a home to come back to. Absolutely. Now, and they still have th- that drive to fight too. To. So again, putting things in the into perspective helps us Mm -hmm. so with that this was a crisis this was a world crisis it's nobody was uh, immune from it but this was a collective crisis that seven plus billion people had to undergo if it doesn't make us better humanity uh, a a human race if it doesn't make us better humans between each other if it does not better citizens in our countries and nations uh, citizens of the world then that that would be maybe a waste of two years indeed uh, of the lives because at the end the, the the vaccine effort was a collective effort or a global effort the the support that happened throughout the world was also collective in nature so it's a, it's in a way a challenge that all of us took collectively each one had the burden as a family, as an individual, uh, by himself, herself. But ultimately, we survived it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Medbar, did Or, you? Or uh, just to maybe correct that, majority of us survived it. Right. I know that uh, many families lost dear ones and so sad uh, for, the, for their loss. I was impacted in my extended family as well. And that's uh, that's the loss that uh, we carry. Yeah. And I think that it helps to remind us that life is challenge and death is inevitable and change is inevitable. Challenges are inevitable. It's how we handle it. And like you said, if we look for those, um, how can we, those moments of, improvement or reflection that make us better or insight that provides a light into that dark tunnel that helps us to move forward in a better way or connect in a better way and continue like you said to look for different ways to um, improve humanity and if you look at life that way then you move through it differently you bet. I think you said the key uh, term that improve humanity humanity improves by the individual each iota of improvement that each one of us and this is not my my saying this is wisdom inherited from <laughs> uh, generations from if each iota of change uh, on the way of the improvement that each one of us makes is a collective improvement for humanity Yes, I recently interviewed uh, John and Vivian of Blue Fern, and uh, one of the things that Vivian said a long time ago that really struck me, uh, and it's so simple but impactful to me, is um, I asked her how she or how they, as Blue Fern, impact the 
the world and community. And I expected a big answer because they do wonderful things for the community. And what she said was, we all have an impact on the world simply by living in it. Yeah. And we get to choose that impact. Yeah. And we should never undermine individual impact regardless of the rank in the society. Society has some ranks, roles, and so, and so on and so forth. But impacts are not correlated to these. Mm-hmm. They might be in terms of instant, but in terms of the lasting ones, that's the back to relationships, uh, these are... These have nothing to do with the, the, the role. And something I'm, I like to go back to, I mentioned it earlier, uh, the role of teachers. Mm-hmm. I think uh, in our societies, globally, the teacher is not probably the highest uh, profile job or role in terms of in a, in a professional. I mean, you have CEOs today and, and so on that everybody lo- looks up to. But the teachers, because of the number of kids who go through them in their schools through, throughout a number of years, you multiply that, and these are probably the, some of the biggest influencers, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. <laughs> as, a, mm-hmm. as a social influences, but influences on the society because of the impact they're having on these kids. At the moment, kids are all open to learnings and to absorb learning and to look up for uh, role models and uh, so on and so forth. And that's a great conduit of that impact. Mm-hmm. And it's just one. And it's mm-hmm. and I could find many for each. You just tell me a role and I'll tell you this is how I could see this role having an impact. But each one of us has to convert that impact. We are in these roles. Uh, again, we have to be self-aware of where we are to be also aware of the impact that this might have because then you talked earlier about the passion maybe this will trigger the passion Mm -hmm. passion we all have passions some maybe are uh, are lit passions others are not the way to turn or this passion is in the hands of each one it has nothing it has nothing to do about the environment it has nothing to do about uh, uh, coaches or, or or maybe these help channel yes but the passion is within us and we just have to find tools or to f- to to find a way to turn it by looking for where and how and who this uh, w- this type of energy because what is passion how can we define even passion it's an energy it's uh, uh, it's an hello it's uh, mm-hmm. it's a number of things but what it's it is at the end it's a, a positive energy it's an energy channeled toward a goal it's channeled so my question to you and to those entrepreneurs and founders and leaders who continue to get up every day and to look at their balance of of time and and see where their value is how do you aziz reignite that energy and that passion over and over again because as a as a leader and as an entrepreneur you start off with a passion and it's really exciting you've developed this wonderful new product it's very unique it is healthy plant-based vegan vegetarian it's got all these wonderful things and it tastes great and it's beautiful packaging so you've got all these foundations and then COVID hits and but it could be any challenge it's not necessarily you know that one hit us all and it was bad timing um, for the product but you continued to come back to the table and try to reignite that light over and over again. Um, and one of the things that, uh, that I'm really curious about with entrepreneurs is once you start that passion project to improve or you know, have an, a positive impact on humanity, how do you keep that passion and stay true to your mission when it becomes work okay that's uh, that's a very good question that you have there because that's uh, when uh, the routine of things get in 
uh, we talked earlier about the time and how we manage the time and uh, and the now versus say the tomorrow or, or or the yesterday for that passion to remain there at least as far as i'm concerned personally and uh, for the drive to remain at a maximum and to to keep going my personal using is the reminder of what am i doing what why am i doing what am i what i am doing the why one for one reminds me two challenges me to validate and gives me the affirmation that because of a and b i need to con i need to continue and it has nothing of material nature yes success is def is is generally defined by uh, a metric uh, business that reaches this much or profit that reaches this much or coverage that's it's that these are metrics and these are good metrics because at the end we need something tangible to assess how how much we have achieved versus goals that we might uh, have set but what's bigger than that metric is the pursuit of that purpose or what you had initially set for yourself which is a measure that is only for you because you've said it it's, it's in your mind and maybe it's in the co-founder's mind when they came together and they agreed and it's that it's an image it's uh, uh, it's an idea it's uh, it's something that's that's floating uh, out there as we undergo those challenges as we as we go into our daily routines if we can call them we need to take the time to hit the pause and then reflect on these and this needs to be part of the routine as well mm -hmm. because before you know it you get into the almost the, the hamster wheel syndrome type and you're just chasing and running and saying yes you're busy yes you're probably allocating most of your time but are you heading somewhere is it a journey or is it just uh doing things for me the two are different doing things is a list of tasks you achieve and a journey is something greater because it leads you to somewhere it's uh, the journey i uh, i believe in that mantra of the journey is the reward the journey is the reward because throughout that journey what you accumulate from learning and 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 enriches you as as a human and therefore makes you eventually more impactful to the rest of uh, humanity so to uh, to to answer your question and uh, in a simple uh, the simplest way i would say it's taking the time to regularly question and validate that what you signed up for personally as an entrepreneur is still what's driving you mm -hmm. and you're not pursuing something else that's a great question um is that still what's driving you or are you doing something else? And then going back to the, those values, what do you value? Uh, and it's not necessarily the moral values, but looking at what are the moral values that you want to portray in your business and, and how they um, kind of trickle down to, to everything. I know a lot of people start businesses with a particular moral intention. You mentioned uh earlier you know saving the earth or you know the environment not just environment where people are but like literally the environment so they start businesses to save the environment but then there's so many shades of difficult questions in that uh as and when you start getting down to the science of of how and who's doing what and what impact this has over that and then explaining to your customers why you chose <laughs> this yeah. over that um uh, and I, I wonder do, when you are um, sourcing, <clears throat> when you are sourcing uh, ingredients or making those choices for your business, do you, um, do you start by asking yourself questions of, you know, making sure that they align or is it just natural for you? I think there is a dual aspect to, to that. 
the the first aspect is the individual one and all values are great values mm -hmm. as long as they they do exist mm -hmm. but again a value is not a concept a value is a behavior mm -hmm. and unless that behavior is seen by the surrounding that value that concept remains something hypothetical so this is the the first facet of it as again personally i'm concerned so for me whatever values i carry or from a business standpoint i want them to be seen through the actions i am doing so that the others can identify them the others being here first my colleagues and then business partners and so on and so forth then the second aspect of it started with the individual the second aspect is the, the business or the company value i've talked about uh, behavior for the individual for the company it's about the decisions the company makes when you run a business for profit you always face situations where you have those situations of cost benefit mm -hmm. if a decision is only made on the foundation of cost benefits before you know it you will lose some of those values mm -hmm. many of the values are cost cost mm -hmm. both on both ways mm -hmm. you but as you incur that first of all to the business it make it reinforces that when we have to make a choice we know what filters to apply and it's not about making uh, a cost benefit analysis it's about making the right decision and then assuming whatever cost comes with that so you talked earlier about the sourcing for instance many times you come across suppliers ingredient suppliers in our, in our case that would offer you a lower price or a low cost ingredients or and you might choose not to ask questions mm. mm -hmm. and say, and just try it on that and say hey it's b better for my pnl versus a validation of why what's driving this cost to be b below for instance or vice versa you set in i want a fair trade ingredients or i want an organic that and i want this and i want that and i want it to be uh, from a traceability known where it's coming from and the like which generally in today's world incurs additional cost certifications and things like that cost money choosing to ask these questions and to pursue these questions entails that you're willing to pay for that and the fact of you paying when you run a pnl means meaning that you're having a cost to incur also signals that you you're you have a set of values that you're not willing to compromise and it's not about a cost or a dollar amount that would for which you would be cutting corners mm -hmm. trade your values so <clears throat> it's as simple and difficult as the question of um, where are you going to put your time? Where are you going to put your energy? Where are you going to put your dollars? They all are similar, similar questions in um, the decisions that you make in your business. And it's the same with uh, the, the people you hire sometimes. Um, you know, if you're, if you're first getting started, like a, there are several um, wine um, vineyards out here in um, in the Texas Hill Country, and for a long time, um, a lot of the wineries would try to figure out the the land themselves, and, and they would they knew how to grow the grapes, but not necessarily on this land with this soil. And now here in 2022, Texas finally has, and I guess over the last couple of years really good wine for a long time it was not really good wine but they they realized that they needed to invest in the talent to 
to learn the land and the time. You know, it's yeah. wine is one of those things where in grapes, olives, um, you have to learn the land and then you plant some plants and you see how they do and you test. And then once you pick your fruit, you still have years before you have a product. So the investment of uh, into the time and then the execution and the passion you put into it, all of those different levels and knowing in those products that you may not have a product that is worth anything for five to 10 years. Very possible, a great example. Because you're, you're tackling a number of points here. The beauty, the beauty about dealing with um, the ag business world, and uh, you mentioned uh, the, the wineries or the vineyards, is that entrepreneurs or individuals or farmers in that field, they know that there is one thing they cannot influence, which is time. They cannot condense time. Mm -hmm. Why? Because that time is dictated by seasons, by elements that are beyond their control. Weather. Yeah, that too. Parallel to that, with this constant being the natural elements, let's call it, they always look at, am I improving? Mm -hmm. uh, is it, am I getting there? Which in the world of entrepreneurship is, w even from a technology to, to the food scene, it's what we call the iterations. You have a set of iterations that you have to undergo to get to a place or a product or a service that you would say, yeah, this is, this is good enough that I can take out to the market. And this aspect of the iterations, depending on the, regard, depending on the industry where you operate, requires the time. And again, that's not something you could shortcut. This is one. Number two, on the same. The wine industry is a great example because there is always someone who might come to you and say, yeah, to alleviate this or to address uh, that component of acidity and so on, you could add these additives or you could add mm. these things. And there's, there's a big industry into that and that's what they do but your values as a winemaker in this case are at the test do you use these shortcuts just so that you have something that appeals and it's money on the table for you in terms of loss and a lot of these winemakers that um, some of whom uh, I'm familiar with have uh, had a chance of meeting they're not willing to compromise on that or to make that, uh, that uh, sacrifice and you'd say why? Because they're driven by something bigger, by by, by, some, by that dream that they have, and it it gives them a sort of a, almost a moral, business moral compass on what not to do. And once you have that, I think you're, I think you'll be living. Uh, we'll go back to the passion. You'll be the passion will be driving you. You'll be living the purpose for which you signed up when you decided to to embark. And uh, I do not want to undermine the challenges with entrepreneurship. We all know that. The, the number one challenge with entrepreneurship is the uncertainty. Mm -hmm. We all are brought up in environments and they, that tell us you need to plan, you need to have visibility, you need to do that and so on and so forth. And uh, particularly in the corporate world where you have to have five years plans, one year plan, 12 months and so on. In entrepreneurship, your plan is as good as next day's validation and, and so on. And then you go and then you adjust and you have to be ready to accept all the uncertainties, but also to live all those uncertainties and be okay with it and be fine with it and even find sometimes the energy from it, from that and find the drive from it. Speaking of drive, one of the brand uh, pillars or some of the brand pillars for MedBar are travel and community and, you know, it's obviously a food product. So, um, you know, really enjoying and being mindful with your food. Where do you find your inspiration and connection to those elements? Oh, I observe. So honestly, I don't. <laughs> it's just my observation. Uh, if. Anyone ha who has chance to travel 
all around the Mediterranean will notice that food is a social occasion. Food is not a functional occasion. Mm-hmm. Meaning that any occasion that we have to eat, we first seek the group setting of mm. it. Because food is a social bond. Or at least has become a social bond. It has it has elevated from its role of uh, uh, the functional uh, nutritional need to something bigger. Something that brings people, whether it's a family or an extended family or group of friends and so on. So... To your uh, earlier question, the first inspiration is the observations of of these settings. Mm. Two, uh, and again, observations from Mediterranean. These are not Aziz's (laughs) 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 ideas. I will not uh, take credit for them. It's food is also about the, the variety. It doesn't have to be rich in terms of proteins this or or the amount of meat or the amount of grains but it has to be rich in terms of the flavors someone could serve you a simple lentil dish just basic lentils and you'll come out with three four flavors from it Mm -hmm. because of the herbs that are used because of the spices that are used and because of the taste of the the lentils and here you have now a combination you have a system what the flavor people will call you have a, a flavor system that comes out of it that richness this multi-dimension offering of food is what makes generally mediterranean cu- uh, cuisine also unique aside from the variety and and so on so all of these ideas observations if you can encapsulate them into some co- in concept have been the drivers to what met bar that's why yes this weekend someone was asking me about the innovation i told him we have the 200 products to come if we want as mm. far as conceptually and i'm not creating these i'm just observing and trying to find conduits for these but first we have to succeed with the first four or five we have mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh so if this this is i hope uh, i'm answering your question yes you you are living the med bar tenants and brand promises and and that and and made uh, made a business and selling and sharing sharing that brand promise through your um, through your products um so i we are nearing the end of our journey here i uh, want to encourage everybody to go to mymedbar.com and um, try the product and it's you know we're they're sprinkled in different stores around the United States, but you can always find them first at mymedbar.com. Aziz, is there anything else that you would like to share to all entrepreneurs out there, or to all aspiring entrepreneurs out there? Uh, life is a journey. Entrepreneurship is a journey as well. So as such, enjoy that journey because it's the journey itself that is the reward. You will, whether you succeed or you don't succeed, as long as you have your life, you're healthy, everything else is secondary. Mm-hmm. And uh, for all the young or old <laughs> people out there thinking of uh, pursuing it, I can tell them that just do it. As in, uh, you will never regret it, regardless of the outcome. This is the only journey that, or the, one of the few journeys where Regret does not come as because you, as you reflect on it, as you think about it, the lessons that you've accumulated, at least those lessons, you can use them to help others. You can use them to be good to others or to direct others and to, to be impactful on others out there. And I uh, would like to thank you, Steph, for, uh, for this session. I think what you're doing is great because you're trying to you're trying to put something that is let's say uh, let's say of uh, business nature mm-hmm. running a business starting a business and so on but putting it into something that is bigger than just starting or running a business something of impact in the world something of impact in the community you're part of but also something of living with a purpose mm-hmm. so 
I salute you for uh, what you're doing and I commend you for, for that and all the best to you and to all the future entrepreneurs you have on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, so what did you think of MVP Business? If you liked it, please subscribe and tell all your friends. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you didn't like it, don't just leave. Let me know what I can do to improve who you'd like to hear from and what you'd like to learn. The mission of MVP Business is to share the strengths and struggles of leaders who have successfully grown their businesses while staying true to their mission and vision so that other entrepreneurs can follow, knowing that the path isn't easy, but the journey's worth it. If you believe in this mission, please help by living it and sharing it. In the meantime, enjoy the day and live with passion.